it's, it's December 1st, we can officially say Merry Christmas, we can officially listen to Christmas music, and we can officially go into our Christmas series, uh, which is called What You Bring. And the idea of this is uh, a lot of times in churches they'll have uh, Advent wreaths uh, that they light the candles that have different representation and uh, we're not doing the Advent wreath, but we are going to take the themes of Advent and apply them into uh, how, do they, how do they help us in the 90% of our life? Like if we go out from this place into our 90%, into our world, what do the themes of Advent and how do the themes of Advent help us to, to make a difference? Today marks the first week of Advent. It's the the first day of Advent, and the theme for the first week of Advent is hope. And so that's what I want us to talk about today. I want us to talk about hope. It's interesting uh, to me that in this season, where hope is actually supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to abound, and, uh, and it's supposed to be a regular part of the season, that uh, that we have uh, hope and joy and love right, and peace and all of the, the themes of Advent, that it's supposed to be something that is present, but yet what we find is that in our culture and our world that uh, there is this darkness and that there is uh, many people who are discouraged, who are uh, even depressed and feeling hopeless. Uh, and it's, it's really, honestly, it's not anything new. This isn't new to our culture. Uh, this has been going on since the beginning. And, and even as we look at the, uh, the first account of, uh, of the birth of Jesus, what we find is that they were in a culture, in a season of history that was dark. There was darkness. Uh, it was politically dark at the time. You know, kids getting killed and stuff. It was relationally dark for Mary and Joseph. I mean, Mary and Joseph, they're, they're pregnant, and everybody assumed that she got pregnant out of wedlock. And so there was this relational strife. There was a financial darkness there. They didn't, couldn't even afford to, to get a hotel. Uh, they they had, to, had to sleep out in, in, a, in a barn in a cave. There was just all of these things going on that actually, if we look at our current situation, may find that we have very similar circumstances that they did. And it was in the midst of this darkness, it was in the midst of this time that God gives us one of the most beautiful gifts. And I want to read to you the account of Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Many of you will be familiar of it, uh, familiar, yeah, of it, for it, with it, be familiar with it. Just got to get the right pronoun, no, just, just stop. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, and I would just say to you, What the angel said to them then is the same thing that the angel would say to you today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Whatever it is that you're going through today, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. 
He says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy, not just for you guys, not just for the shepherds, but I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at what do we do when we're supposed to be hope to this world that we live in, and yet we find ourselves discouraged. We find ourselves feeling a lack of hope in this culture that we live in. There are some who go through this season pretending like everything's okay. Like, like they, you know, they, they put on the smile, they put on the cheer, and they go to the parties, and they do the thing, and, and they're pretending as though everything is okay, that they have hope, and yet, if you were to really get beyond that facade, you would discover pretty quickly that there's a sense of hopelessness. There may be some here this morning who are like, well, that may be true, but that's not me. I have hope. I'm, my life is actually going pretty well right now. And, and, and to you, I would just say, great. Right, you can still take notes. You can still jot these things down. You can put it in your pocket. And when things aren't, you can pull it out of your pocket and be reminded of the fact that we go through these seasons of life where we feel distressed. We feel disappointed. We feel discouraged. I think for many of us, there's this desire to bring hope to this world. But the question is, is what do we do when all of the things around us are messed up? When everything in our life seems to be shifting and turning and nothing seems to be concrete? What is it that we do? And the Bible reminds us in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, that we are to grab hold of something that is not shifting. Otherwise, we will shift with that which we grab hold of. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is firm and it is secure. Hope, the definition of, is a confident expectation. And it's based upon something that is solid, something that's not moving, something that's not being tossed to and fro, as the Scripture says, but that, but that it's actually secure. For too many people, hope is something that you do, right? I, I hope that I get that job. I hope that I get that Christmas bonus. I, I, I hope that uh, my kids turn out okay. <laughs> it's, it's something that you do. It's something that you, you hope for. It's an action when in reality for believers, for those who would say, I am a Christ follower, hope is something that we actually have. It's something we can possess. But how do we get it? Well, Romans 15, 13 says, God. God's the answer. May God, the, the source of hope, may he fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. And it says when you do that, when, when you allow God to fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him, then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to give you, out of this theme of hope in Advent, I want to give you five things, five things that can be sure that you will 
have hope, that, that will give you hope. And the first, and they're all P's, so just get ready for it. God's presence. We've been talking about this the, the last month or so in the series Be Still, where we're just saying we have to find time to retreat and be in the presence of God. That if you want hope, you're going to find it in the midst of his presence. The presence of God is better than the answer to our problems. I think many times what we do is we go through life and a problem arises and we think, I can fix this, I can get past this. And, and so we want, the, we want answers. But better than answers to our problems is the presence of God. Psalm 62.5 says, yes, my soul, it finds rest in God. My, my hope comes from him. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, but those who hope in the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they won't be faint. I'll be honest with you, this passage of scripture is not one of my favorites because I think it's overused. You know, it's a motivational poster is what it is. Those who Hope in the Lord, they'll renew their strength, they'll mount up on wings like eagles. It's just this poetic thing. And in fact, I think we even had it in our men's bathroom for the longest time with a big picture of an eagle. And the reality is, is this isn't, this isn't just some poetic thing that has been written. This was a serious illustration. It was a serious illustration because if you change it, if you change the language of it, what you'll find is it changes everything. If it said, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like hummingbirds, that changes it. I don't know if you've ever seen a hummingbird, but it doesn't really soar. It just flaps really fast. I think we, we operate like hummingbirds. We, we just go through this life and we're just flapping as fast as we can to stay afloat. Hummingbirds have to drink sugar to keep their wings flapping. That's what they do. We don't drink sugar. We drink, we drink coffee to keep our flaps going, our wings going. That All birds fly, but not all birds soar. The Unless you're a penguin, and then I don't, I don't even know if you're a bird. I don't know what that is. But do they, they don't fly, do they? No. Are they birds? They swim. That's definitely different than flying. But certainly not soaring. I don't know why I don't figure this stuff out before I get up here. But these are the things that go into my head as I'm preaching the word of God. This wasn't just a poetic illustration. It was, it was this serious picture of what takes place if you've ever had the opportunity to see an eagle in its natural habitat. And, and we have been fortunate enough to do that, to be able to see it during our summers throughout the years. And what happens is an eagle will, will perch up at the top of a large tree or on the top of a mountain, a hillside, and, and it will stay up there until a thermal current comes up. And what happens is, is 
an eagle, all it has to do, it doesn't have to flap its wings. All it has to do is just put its wings out and that thermal current comes up. And as it's holding on, all of it, all it has to do is just let go. And I think it's such a perfect picture that if we would just stop flapping our wings and trying to get through this life and just spend time in the presence of God and allow his thermal current to come in and just be willing to let it go. I understand the timing of that let it go with Frozen 2 coming out is a little (laughs) frustrating, but the second thing is God's promise. And what I'm talking about is reading, reading the Bible. All, many of us will start the year thinking this is the year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the one-year Bible plan. I'm going to read through the Bible. This is my year. And, uh, and we, get, we do well for a while. And then we get into the year. And to be honest with you, it just gets more difficult. And we get busy. And, and then all of a sudden, we, we begin to get away from that. Sometimes we find ourselves where we just don't even have the energy to talk to God. We don't, we don't have the energy to come and, and spend time and get in his word and to read his word. Sometimes we feel like, man, God, I just I keep telling you the same thing over and over and over again, and I, I just don't, don't want to do it anymore. I just don't want to talk anymore. And I would just encourage you that if you're too tired to talk to God, then let God talk to you through his word. That the promises of God come through the word of God. That that the, the only way we can fully understand his promises to you, to your life, is to spend time in the word. Psalm 119, 81 says, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. Put your hope in his word. The third thing is God's process. This is one of the more uh, painful parts of finding hope, but the reality is, is that if we think that our pain has a purpose, we'll endure the process. Uh, If you think about it in the context of you go to the ER because you're sick, and the doctor tells you, I have something that will make you better. Problem is, it's in the form of a shot. I got to put this needle into your arm in order for you to get better. You will endure the pain of that needle in order to get better. You'll endure whatever that process is, knowing that God is moving and working and that he is formulating and, and, and molding you into the person that he's called you to be. This is why people work out. To use a different illustration, they, they go to the gym and they put on ridiculously large amounts of weight and they grunt and they scream and they lift and they run and they do things, like they, they, they work out, they endure the pain because they know what's on the other side. I mean, I recognize that that illustration breaks down with me because obviously I don't do that very often. That it's, uh, you know, I'm not Ray. Like Ray's like, he he lifts. And it's interesting they put mirrors in gyms because 
Uh, I think when you're wanting to quit, you look over and you see yourself and you're like, I've got this. And you just, you just push the weight. I've decided that it's probably best for me not to work out as much because I just, I really don't want people to stumble in my life. And <laughs> it's just better that I, I look like this. I, I think the problem is, is we don't have hope that what's on the other side of the process is better. But if we believe that whatever it is that we're going through, whatever struggle we are in the midst of, that on the other side of that, God is molding, he is shaping, he's, he's, he's turning all of the things that are going on in our life, and, and we will experience something greater on the other side of that. Because the reality is God is more interested in developing us than making us happy. He's determined to build us and shape us. Romans 5, 2 through 4 tells us this. It says, when we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It says, not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that here's what suffering does. It produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character, guess what it produces? Hope. And so when we're going through these struggles, it is doing something in our life that's leading us towards hope. And the fourth thing is God's purpose. This is one of my favorites because I think one of the, the greatest gifts as a pastor that I can give is to help people discover, discover that there is something bigger than their problems. That there's something, when people come and they share, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm dealing with, that if I could help them understand a purpose that is greater than their problems. It's not that the problems go away, but in light of their problems, all of a sudden their problems seem much smaller. This was a, a game changer for me. I went through a, a tool called Unique. And uh, this is something that we offer as a church, and in February we'll be launching uh, four more uh, small group classes of Unique. But this changed, it, it changed everything for me. Because when I discovered how I was wired, when I discovered what I was wired to do, what I was wired for, all of a sudden, anytime I found myself finding myself discouraged or uh, maybe wondering, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I could come back to this sentence, to this mission that God has placed me on, which is to exist, to resource and uh, people and organizations towards the restoration and kingdom impact. That that's what God's called me to do. It's not what he's called you to do, but it's what he's called me to do. But he has called you to something. That we all have a plan and a purpose in this life, and that should give us hope. When we get to a place to where we think, well, God forgot about me, or God uh, must have made a mistake, or something along those lines, all of a sudden, hopelessness begins to creep in, and that is not of the Father. 
Jeremiah 29.11, another overused passage of Scripture, but as impactful is, for I know the plans that I have for you. He, he's got these plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. As we meet today, we, we get to uh, share in this amazing partnership with MMI Columbia. As it was announced on the announcements, next week we'll be having our Make a Difference offering. But today, our partnership with MMI Columbia and Juan Allen, uh, who's one of my best friends, when Juan Allen discovered how God has wired him and what he has wired him for, he stopped saying yes to things that he wasn't supposed to do to free him up to do things that God had called him to do. And when we begin to understand our purpose, what happens is we will step out in faith to things that we never thought we would do, ever. And so today in, uh, on the Amazon River, I have a picture of uh, Juan Allen and his team. And they're, they're standing in a building right now on the, on the deck of this building that almost 100 years ago, over 60,000 indigenous people from this area were slaughtered in this building because of the rubber trade. Each of these people represent someone who has discovered their purpose. They've discovered what God's called them to do. Some of them are dentists. Some of them are uh, are doctors. Some of dentists are doctors. Dentists, doctors, medical doctors. Um, there are people who are putting on uh, soccer tournaments there, and they're bringing to these people the gospel of Jesus for the first time. The people in this area have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. This is, this is rare. This doesn't, there's like few, there's like a hundred unreached, unengaged people groups in the world right now. And Juan Allen and his team are meeting with them. Uh, here's another picture of them uh, with the people from the village and uh, they're reaching hundreds and hundreds of children hundreds of adults, and uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, uh, for whatever crazy reason, they have cell phone uh, service. He, he's able to get service. I don't get it. It just reminds me how evil phones are, but, um, <laughs> but he's been uh, texting us these pictures, and he's been sharing some of this on Facebook, but uh, on one of the days, uh, they were meeting and doing devotions together uh, gathered together, and they were reading God's word, and they were worshiping. And as they were singing worship, one, the witch doctor that was in the village, he was outside, and he asked Juan Allen, can I come in? Can I come into the building? And he was like, why? And he's like, because I keep hearing the singing, and I want to come in, and I want to sing. Juan Allen if you would have asked him five years ago, six years ago, if you, if you would have said, you're going to be up the river with these people who have never heard the message of Jesus, he would have said, you're absolutely crazy. But when you discover your purpose, when you discover how God's wired you, he opens up doors of opportunity to step out in faith in things you never could imagine. 
These people have hope because Juan Allen discovered his purpose. There's a book that's written about these people. It's called The River That God Has Forgotten. And Juan Allen's goal is to make sure that every one of those people know that God has not forgotten them. Number five is God's place. Too many people have a a poor understanding of what it means to experience heaven. I I think probably one of the uh, worst theologies in the church is on heaven. Uh, People believe that God obligates himself to work everything out on this side of heaven. That that you're just going to have this amazing life, this blessed life. We write books about it and all this, and then we have this theology that's based upon the fact that if you just would live your life right, that God is going to bless you, and he's obligated to bless you. And that's, that's bad theology. That's That's a prosperity gospel. We don't believe in that. When in fact, what he actually promises is that in this world, there's going to be some trouble. It's going to be hard. There's struggles in this world because it's a fallen world. When you were a kid, I don't know if you had this thought, but I grew up in the church. My parents were pastors and you used to always hear that Jesus was coming back. Right? It was almost as if it was a, almost like a threat. You know, it's like, well, Jesus is coming back. And when I was a kid, I used to have this thought, I don't, I don't want Jesus to come back. Why? Why don't you want Jesus? I want to get married. I want to experience what marriage is like. You know, I, 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 want, to, I want to have kids. I want, to, I want to experience more of earth. Like, I feel like there's stuff that, that I'd like to experience. I don't know if I want Jesus to come back. That's bad theology. Because the reason why I have this line of thinking, and this isn't my parents' fault, this is my own messed up Christian school thinking, but no, no, it really wasn't. It was just my own bad thinking. I'm not going to blame anybody but myself. Uh, here's our thinking, though, is we have this picture of heaven, and picture of heaven is we're going to float in the clouds. We're going to put a white robe on. We're going to join the choir. Right? And we're going to just sing all the time. That's not heaven for me. That sounds like the other place. Like, <laughs> like it, if, if I have to choose heaven, I, like I... That sounds like hell to me. I don't want to go and just sing and, and float and play a harp. Like, I don't want to be a fat cherub in the choir. Like, that doesn't, that, but yet that's our thinking. So, of course, we, we like fall in love with earth because we don't want this poor picture of what heaven is. It's bad theology. In fact, heaven is this renewed earth. That Jesus is coming back and he's coming to make a new heaven and a new earth, a perfected earth, listen, with no elections. <laughs> a perfected earth with no 
cancer, a perfected earth with no traffic. I don't know how that's going to be possible, but he'll figure it out. A perfected earth with no bills. That's heaven to me. That's heaven. Hebrews 11, 14 through 16 in the message paraphrase says it like this. People who live this way, they make it plain that they're looking for their true home, but they were after a far better country than that, a heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Heaven's better. And I think sometimes we get enamored with earth because honestly, maybe this life that we have is a pretty good life in comparison to many, but it's not the life. Don't get enamored with earth knowing that there is a far better country. Here's the reality is, is you have people. You, you have people in your life that I don't know. Every now and then I get invited into people's social life and I get to know some of your people. I have people in my life that maybe some of you don't know, but no, I'm pretty sure you know pretty much all my people, but, <laughs> but you have people that I don't know. And can I tell you this morning that your people need hope? They need hope. That there are people in your group of people, in the 90% of your life that are in the midst of darkness. They are in the midst of discouragement and depression. That you have people in your life that are looking for hope and you have it. And if you don't have it, you can have it. What you bring this Christmas season is hope. The hope of the world in you. I can't bring hope to your people. But you can bring hope to your people. You can bring hope to those in your circle who are hurting because of a relational division, because of divorce. You can bring hope to those who are, who are dealing with sickness and dealing with a, with a diagnosis. You can bring hope. You, you might meet somebody this week who's, who's sick. And you can bring the hope of healing. You can pray for them. And pray that God would heal them. The, the great physician would heal them. You bring hope. If you don't have hope this Christmas season, can I encourage you to spend time in the presence of God? Can I encourage you to spend time reading his word and understanding the promises of God? If you need help understanding the purpose that God has in your life and, and want to walk through that process of understanding how he's wired you and made you, if we, if, we can, if we can come to this place to where we understand that this life on earth is temporary, that this messed up darkness is not the end game, that there's a greater country out there. 
in first service, as I was praying, I, I felt like the Lord was, was telling me, and, and honestly, in first service, we were strapped for time. Uh, we had uh, baptisms, we have communion, we're going to have communion this morning with you. Uh, but we were strapped, and as I was praying, I, I really felt like the Lord was saying that there was somebody that walked through our doors who, um, who wasn't just dealing with discouragement, but was, was thinking about taking their life. And, and I almost passed it up because we just didn't have time. Second service, we got all the time in the world. And uh, in first service, I gave people the opportunity to go get prayer, and, uh, and there was a few that did. And, uh, and I had somebody come and say, I, I think I was... Uh, the person that had a heavy heart about the situation. And I, I said, you, you might have been one of the people that had a heavy heart, but, um, but I, I know who that person was for because after first service, they came up to me and talked to me. And, and they said, as, as recent as two days ago, I told my sister that I didn't want to be in this world. It was the exact language that I used. And I, I tell you that because I think that we go through life assuming that that's not true, that, 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 there, that, that this idea that the Christmas season brings pain and, and depression and all of that, like, like I think because our life isn't that way, we assume that it's, that it's not true. And, and yet it was as clear as day and I knew I needed to do it and this person wouldn't go get prayer, never stepped foot in a church before. But for some reason, God said, you need to go to church today. <laughs> I'm just amazed by that. And I, I say that not, not to pat myself on, on the shoulder or back or wherever you pat people. But I, I say it because I, I'm guessing that maybe it's possible that there's someone here this morning who... It's, it's, not, um, it's not just depression, or it's, no, sorry, it's not just discouragement. It's moved into depression. And the idea that you could have hope is seemingly impossible. And we want to pray with you that the, the worst thing that could happen is you leave as hopeless as you walked in. Could be somebody watching online too, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was just for first service, maybe it was. But I know this, we can have hope even in the midst of the most hopeless situation. We can have hope in him. We pray for you.